0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, wherever, whenever you're listening. This is The Root for Wisconsin Show, episode 87. And we're coming at you from the Mean your True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm host producer Eric Fisher. We've got the original three back together tonight. Ramsey joining us in studio. Ramsey, how you doing, buddy? Awesome. How are
1: you guys doing? I'm fired up to be here.
0: I, I know you're fired up. I'm almost nervous to have a mic in your hand tonight.
1: Good. But, That's how it always should be.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get through it. Also joining us via the Facebook Messenger call, Justin Dahl. Justin, how are you doing, buddy?
2: I'm doing good. We took one on the chin a little bit last week. Eric, you were there. I appreciate all your help. Uh, charged 99 yards down uh, the final minutes to uh, get the game-tying touchdown, but just fell short on the two-point conversion. Uh, so we lost 28-26 in a rivalry game that was... It was a damn good game, Eric. Yeah, uh, we'll get to
0: that in a little bit here. Um, so before we do, though, got to talk to our partners. We got Monkey Knife Fight. Free contest this weekend. I didn't even realize that if you played any contest, you got like a $5 risk-free uh, ticket to play again.
1: And if you want to listen to the Root for Wisconsin boys, you probably would have cleaned up pretty well. Yeah. Especially I, if you listen to Ramsey, who I believe went 4-0. Well, that that's not,
0: that's not Monkey Knife Fight. That was just our outright picks. No, but, but I'm
1: saying, if you were to listen sure. to my picks, you I'd, would, have to look, I'd have to look. review the picks. I would put money in your account. I went for
0: I think you went – you did not go 4-0. We'll get to that later, though. no you sure? No I'm pretty way. confident. In this. No,
2: because I had – You probably went – Pull it up. You probably went Pull the numbers. Three.
1: All right, hold on. No, because I had Tampa Bay. You had Green Bay, though. No, I had Minnesota. You did not. I did. did I had not. NM. That would have been my lock of the week if I – I apologize for not being here last week. Um,
2: Being the boss sucks. Yeah, you know. That's what it is. Just tell them how it is,
1: Rams. M-I-N, Minnesota. It's in the group chat. I I need to see proof of this.
0: Where do you see the M-I-N? One more. Green Bay Let's by two again. and a half.
1: Give me Min.
0: Okay, I'm That would have been that. my lock
1: of the week. Just so you know, I, I missed the Browns that. cleaned up, the Bucks cleaned up, and the Chargers cleaned up. Therefore, that would be Eric. That's four and zero. Oh. That is four and zero. Oh. I do and apologize. I kicked Justin's ass in the fantasy football league. It was a big win weekend for Ram. Cleaned house
2: against Justin. Yeah, yeah not was a bad. good week for Justin.
0: Not a good week for me betting wise. Anything. But if you would have followed along with the show and kind of just in general uh, with the Monkey Knife Fight contest, you know you would have known to go Justin Jefferson, which would have been easy. Easy. Easy, Justin Jefferson. And that puts you in a win. So, monkeyknifefight.com, play those contests, put money in your pocket. And then also, our friends over at RaiseEnergyRepsports.com, code root 4 R O O T number 4. Repsports. get fifteen percent off any order, and also go to Sam's Club, check them out t- there too. New dealership that they have kind of going on with them. Whole bunch of ways to get rays into your body, into your system, into or, your
1: life. Ordered online. Ordered online. Does anyone actually have a Sam's Club membership? I have a Sam's Club membership. Oof.
2: I don't. Hell think yeah, that. I do. Oof, two L's. Anyway,
1: you guys just let me talk for the rest of the show. You guys are putting nothing but L's out there.
0: Well, that's just not true, but
1: anyway
0: so that is the business side of things we go to the next part here with what we had rooted for in the last week that is brought to you by fanatics fanatics over 300 plus powered stores including hashtag college football frenzy show your love for your college football team in a wild college football weekend plenty to talk about there and i'm sure we'll have a lot to say about that but before we do we started off with what we had rooted for and Ramsey, you've been gone for a couple of weeks what do you
1: got for us I guess I really didn't root for anything. I, w- I was rooting for a really good week of football, and I think that we got that. I mean, the Packer game was a slog to get through. That one kind of hurt a little bit, but that could easily went the other way, barring a few different plays. College football on Saturday was excellent. Excellent day of college football. That's all I did all weekend. Sat on the couch, watched football, hung out with the dogs and the old lady. Good weekend.
0: Sounds like a pretty positive weekend. Justin, what was your route for?
2: Well, I think it's pretty easy. I talked about it uh, on last week's episode. The hometown kid comes into Madison and wins the game. Uh, just a great uh, coaching performance by him and his staff. Uh, congratulations to Coach Jake um, Big, Just a big, big win for his program. That probably takes them up a notch. Um in the in the realm of where they want to be in college football.
0: All right, excellent route 4. And my route 4, as Justin kind of alluded to, is going to be the Gillette Suring football game. Now, granted, Gillette did come out on the sh- the short side of the straw, but you know, first of all, just as Justin kind of alluded to, what an awesome game. Kids never gave up at any point in the game. They were down two scores brought it back fought through turnovers fought through adversity um and really just like i said or justin said earlier it's i think 99 yards down the field to score a potential game tying touchdown and two-point conversion they get the touchdown they do not get the two-point conversion uh they score the touchdown with 10 seconds left ramsey
3: on a
0: 99 yard
1: three-ish minute drive doesn't that pretty sum or pretty much sum up the jilltsuring rivalry for the entire life i remember close is that games. they were always close it was and you know not i i wish hopefully for the jill boys and obviously coach at all over there i wish it would turn out better for them but you know there there's no shame in driving 99 yards in 3 minutes and coming within a hair like that's hats off to those guys so congratulations yeah, it, there
0: a- absolutely and you know one of the cooler moments of the game or actually kind of for me happened after the game was getting to talk to old coach Havlovitz uh coach Havlo lineman coach former lineman coach I should say that coached me back in high school um you know for a long time I'd always kind of wondered why you know himself and other coaches why they kind of do what they do you know i know that you love the game (laughs) and getting to coach it and all that stuff but really kind of a full circle moment um, was kind of seeing him after the game and him mentioning how you know proud he was that you know somebody giving back to the community being myself Mm -hmm. justin etc um and kind of going full circle with that and just kind of how the game had gone it all kind of clicks you know it's kind of one of those mature moments as an adult where it's like okay, I get it now. And I get why they sacrifice so much time. And, you know, for kids that they, you know, they have no connection. You know, I don't know any of these kids outside of the practice. I'm not related to any of them. I'm not, you know, whatever. But just, you kind of see that, that hard work, that dedication they put into it. It's starting to pay off. You know, you see those payoffs and you see them getting it not, you know, they're kind of kicking their own ass after that game for some of the mistakes that led to the final score. But at the same time, as bad as they feel, you're that much more proud of them for all the work that got them there. So kind of a cool moment for me, full circle of the thing. And nice to see him and also help Justin out.
1: Well, it's one of those things, too, that you, at least in my personal life, I always learn more after a loss than a win. Like, So losing one of those tight games is never fun. But the life lessons that also come with that are... Oh, there's way more to benefit from sometimes losing some of those games and winning them. Like, no one's going to remember the score, but you do remember that feeling, and the f- the drive not to fail is something that goes a long way.
0: So Yeah, it's kind of one of those things where you remember how you felt in that moment, Yep. and you never
1: want to feel like that again. Well, and that's a, you know, sometimes a loss is just, like I said, just as important as a win, and that'll, I'm sure just, I'm sure the guys were fired up to get back at it yesterday and today. So... I mean, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Um, you guys touched on a lot of things. One one of the other things that um, wasn't touched was a red zone stop. Oh, absolutely. With that 99-yard drive. Um, their backs really against the wall. Um, just three turnovers again, uh, this game that really cost us. One was um, while we were marching. Um, probably at their 35, got the fumble. They, uh, they turned around and took that, that ball 65 yards on the next play. Just really swing the momentum. Uh, they scored 28 points, guys, and, and 20 points in the second quarter. I told the guys that, uh, you know, if we could put a full game together and, and we start learning how to win, and and not mentally having lapses in how we play the game, there's not many teams that are gonna beat us. Um, We've current, you know, we've got great athletes, um, some really good kids. Uh, They they worked really hard that week. They they knew what they wanted um, to accomplish with it. Uh, They felt a little short, but they felt like they were the better team. Uh, There's not a kid there that that heart wasn't hurting um, for for the sake of what the rivalry really means. I I talked about owning that 10-mile stretch between uh, Gillette and Surin and and leaving four seniors um, to talk about it for 35 years from now that they beat Surin um, their senior year. Um, I think that really dug into them after the game. But there's, there's no doubt, guys, that um, we're on the rise and, and we're coming back and, and we're doing the right things. Uh, I'm proud of the guys. I'm proud of my coaching staff. Um, we're, we're doing it right. Uh, and, and these wins are about to come. They're, they're, they are right around the corner. I'm excited. Uh, everybody's working extremely hard to right the ship.
1: Well, that's how you build a program, though. I mean, that's i know like i said losing is never fun but every once in a while you have to take those on the chin and that's how you start building momentum as a program and with losing like you were saying justin it's not like they're losing and getting having no effort in and just quitting bowing down and right they're fighting all the way through and that's where like not even being there i know i can see that corners coming like it's one of these days that light bulb's going to click on and they're going to understand how to finish a game out and how to limit I mean, turnovers it's... and how to do some of those little things that take to win close games. So yep, congratulations to you there, Collier. I mean, you're, I've, I'm ecstatic to hear that. That's awesome.
2: It's coming. I'm, I'm waiting. Um, that one, though, I'll tell you, from a, from a coach's heart, that one stung a little bit. Uh, you know you're the better team. Um, we we prepared the guys well. Um, the first quarter, we executed tremendously. And then a mental lapse hap- happens. And then uh, so that probably cost them dearly. They fought back hard. Uh, so you're proud of that. Just it, it cost me a few PBRs in the garage with my brother-in-law after the game. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah.
0: Well, with the positives come the negatives. And Justin, I'll let you lead this one off. Tyler Hero, Nugget of the Week. I'm,
2: I've got two, Eric. All right, let's hear it. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this, Eric? Uh, let's do it. My first one is you. Woo! And you know what, Give and me you violence. You know exactly where I'm going with this. Give me the violence. You know exactly where I'm going with this. <laughs> All right? I put it in our group chat. Give us violence. So... So tell me what you just said about things coming full circle and and maturing and all these things, Eric, and what do you do pregame? You gave
0: Justin a titty twister.
2: <laughs> you you sideswipe a five to give the head coach a titty twister in pregame while he's getting in the mode. What in the hell are you
1: thinking? So really, we could say the loss is on Eric. I mean, right. if we really wanted my- to, it got Justin no, out of the no, zone no, no. just a little bit. And the one coaching brought- call that he would have made different, he was focused on the yep.
2: titty twister for that one yep. split second. Nah. So really, wrecked my mojo.
1: we could blame the again, loss on the Eric
2: uh, Fisher Jinks strikes again.
1: All right, all right. So damn, that's,
0: first that's damning all, evidence. First of all. I think Justin Jones. needed to, to let loose a little bit in that game. He, you know, you get all wound tight. You gotta play free. You gotta play loose.
1: Yeah, but what if he? The yes. tightness was what would have caused them to win, Eric. Also, you
0: potentially hold on, hold on. Not to, let's peel back the international incident. Let's peel back the curtain just a,
1: a <laughs> skosh. Justin doesn't do the play calling. That, but Justin, he's the he's the engine that drives that train. Justin does not yes. do the offensive play he's, calling. He's the
0: engine. So I'm just saying, I, I think. It could have been a defensive play call. It could have been In that moment one it, comment it was, to a
1: kid that might have just thrown them off. I'm not saying the jinx happened. I'm just saying there's strong evidence. The kids
2: saw. It. Yep, there's the kids saw it too, Ramsey.
1: I'm just saying there's changed
2: there, the whole mood of the game.
1: There's strong evidence to say you that know, once
2: again, the it first could be a quarter. Jinx. They came out
0: fire and they were like, Okay, let's do this.
1: Yeah, but you know all those titty twisters. Well, that's because
0: are. we pre scripted it.
1: You're all We pre scripted it. You're all hyped up and then sometimes that titty twister catches you and you're like Oh wow, my nip is sore. <laughs> yeah, well, just rubbed on the, the jacket the wrong way. The jinx the jinx might be back. I don't know. I don't think so. The jinx is back. Anyway. Hey, wait, did you pick the Packers? Me All of us picked the Packers except you. Yeah. Oh, that would be my lock of the week. Again, I'm to the fans. I'm sorry I wasn't here last week. I would have saved you from the heartache. I would have told you exactly what was going to happen. We'll get to that later, though. So, Eric, so I'm just saying though, Eric technically cost the Jillet Tigers the game on Friday. Eric did nothing of the and sort. And then I bet you, I bet alumni. you, I bet
0: you picked the alumni. Badgers too, yeah. on Saturday. Eric did nothing of the sorts. But and then I nice bet you picked, picked the Packers ba- on Sunday.
2: Hey, he Every- picked the Badgers to to cover oh, seventeen and I- a half.
1: And and then you pick the Packers, so every and then he lost in fantasy. God, I'm, not weekend, saying, I'm not saying I'm not saying Eric might be the Jinx. I'm just saying that there's evidence. Yeah, you're just it.
2: taking the might out of there. You're just taking might out of it. Jerry, uh, Eric is the Jinx.
1: I'm not saying I'm not saying he's the Jinx. I'm just saying there might be a trend. It might be worth following up on. Anyway, so Justin, your second noogie.
2: My second noogie is. The UFC, and specifically Hamsmat Chemaev, if I said it right, this dude is the next big thing in the middleweight division. He comes in. He's got a big money fight against Nate Diaz. It's not a title fight, and they're running a pay-per-view on this. So they Dana White and the UFC are putting a lot of stock in Kamsmat, And he comes in, and he's eight. Pounds overweight in the How? weight. How? How is it impossible? Eight pounds, guys. You cannot do that. That doesn't just cost you the main event. It's very possible if Chimaev wins this fight, he's getting a title fight. But now, not they take him out of the main of the of the main event, and they move him to the co-main against. Uh, Kevin Holland, who is kind of like a Cowboy Cerrone that will just go out there and fight anybody at any weight just to get a paycheck. Um, he's he's done well with that in his career, but certainly not Colmaine uh, worthy. They fight that fight at catchweight at 180. Now... In the main event, it's Nate Diaz versus Tony Ferguson, who has four straight losses in a row. And not only that, the UFC is still pushing this as a pay-per-view card. It was a disastrous weekend for Chemaev, a disastrous weekend for Diaz, and a disastrous weekend for the UFC.
1: Is Nate Diaz not one of the most interesting people on the planet, though?
2: Well, now he's done with his UFC (laughs) contract.
1: He's going to go fight my boy, uh, Jake Paul.
2: Yep. That's what's going to happen. He's going to make more money that way, too. If if Jake Paul can somehow get through Anderson Silva.
1: I don't know if I'd want to fight Nate Diaz. Like, that's one person on the planet that I don't know if I'd want to fight. I don't really even There's know a if, lot of people on this planet that I probably wouldn't want to. Fight, I don't know if I'd even want to really be in the same room with Nate Diaz. Like, just in general, like I, he, I don't know if I would even want to be around him. No. He's a psychopath.
2: Yeah. It's awesome.
1: He, he's awesome. I love Nate Diaz.
2: Hell yeah. But what a terrible look for, for the UFC and Konzat Chimaev. Just horrible. Eight pounds, eight pounds. You're not getting a title fight in five fights when you come in over eight pounds.
1: That's like basically coming in holding like a newborn baby.
2: I was just about to think like, of that too.
1: That's like one newborn baby yeah. just walking in holding that. Like, oh, hey, I'm here to fight. Right. That's a lot of weight. Horrible. All right, Ramsey, your noogie noogies. Oh, I only have one noogie. What do you got? Okay, have you guys got Madden 23 she- yet? I have not. I've been avoiding it because I've heard it's no. awful. I think it's really good. Madden 23 is really good. The offensive linemen models fucking suck, though. Like, they don't really look like people, and they're way too big. That's my nookie. I'm upset with the Madden 23 models. Paying $60 for a game, 70 because it has to be the XS edition because I have the fancy Xbox. And we can't get offensive linemen to look like proper people is... So stupid. So you said they're are they are just too small, or what was it? They're like way too big. Oh, and like their body's not like proportionate. Like they all just have like massive guts, and I'm like, you ever seen David Bakhtiari walk around? You that, know,
0: like zero body fat. I mean, he has obviously some, but he,
1: there's a little bit of a boiler little. there, but it's not like he's obese. Right. These guys look like just not accurate to life, and it drives me a little bit nuts every time I see him. I can see that. <laughs> I could see that.
2: Well.
3: Wow.
0: It's annoying. So my noogies, I have a couple um, of the week. First of all, I'm gonna come back adjusting here a little bit.
1: No. Ugh. I I just I'm gonna say that the pity twister per not uh, from pre-game not from Friday was probably not your best moment.
0: You know, in retrospect it was not.
1: That was probably almost as egregious as the wave from the last episode that I was on. When the Packers oh run off, ter- oh god! I'm just ter- saying ter- that's probably on the same uh, level, it's, I would say.
0: Whatever, but here's here's my my noogie, and it's on Justin.
1: Oof! Giving me violence.
0: And quite frankly, you know, these these are separate noogies, but I'm gonna loop it into one here. It's on Justin, and it's on internet Packer fans. Two separate noogies, but hear me out so <laughs> yes did did i do a regrettable action probably did it cost them the game no
1: you can't prove that yep.
0: i cannot prove you can't
2: prove it you, that it can't, prove you no. can't prove it so you changed
0: the mood of the game here's what i will say though i am beyond sick of overreactionary fans blaming every other outside cause for anything that ever happens on in sports Packer fans and I've said it before and I'll say it again Packer fans especially on Twitter are some of the most toxic people during a game day and are just so suicidal is not the right word but like they're ready to jump off a bridge the second something that doesn't go their idealized way it drives me
1: nuts I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in on that. I'm going to let you finish, but I'm going to jump in on that. Just like, hear a
0: little bit. And, and don't get me wrong. There are, there are moments in games that cause a win or a loss. And there's multiple moments in the game. The amount of people, and, and it, I would love, love to see what happens in that game this weekend if Christian Washington catches that first touchdown. And I think it's a totally different ballgame. Don't get me wrong. But so that's one moment and you can say that or whatever you want. But for a th- a random third down in the second quarter and people are tweeting like their life is about to end because of an incomplete pass or because of a missed coverage. You know, whatever the situation is, it just it just drives me nuts. Almost to a point where I consider just staying off of social media. Obviously, I'm not going to because I have to, you know, keep this brand going, and keep, you know, build us, build my brand, etc. But it just drives me nuts. And also, I'm confused
2: how so you looped hold on, outside, hold outside things into in the game things. That's that's my so question.
0: outside things, the game itself, me sitting and saying, hey, the Packers should win this game. Thinking on Wednesday or Thursday when we recorded, sitting there thinking, like, hey, realistically, they probably should win this game, thinking that Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins are probably going to play.
1: That wouldn't have stopped that.
0: Thinking the Badgers at a 17 <laughs> and a half point game or a spread should win that what? game and not lose by three or whatever the score ends up being. Me having a prediction, and I've said this to you before, having a prediction on what should happen based on what we know. Does not make it a jinx. Outside factors,
1: how did do your not matter. how did your other bets on the podcast last week go? My picks didn't go great. Who did you who else did you pick? Well, Let, let's get to that real quick.
0: Hold on, the Badgers got beat. I had the Buccaneers. Okay, that was a win. I had Carolina. That was a which terrible lost, decision. Which lost late? Terrible decision
1: still. And then I did have the Raiders. Another terrible decision
2: oh uh, so i I'm think not, i did pretty well
1: i'm not saying that you that's the, not a jinx though. that's I'm just not,
0: predictions i think I there's a
1: difference two and two
0: justin had the chargers the cowboys and the browns so yes you went two and two
2: and then three and two if you chime in the badgers
1: yeah but we don't we don't count that for these picks
2: <laughs> oh yeah so
1: i'm gonna say this and this is something that i've been wanting to get to for a little while now Packers were Pack- The Green Bay Packers, as of right now, are a little bit of a flawed team. They're flawed on the opposite side of the ball, and I think we all saw that on Sunday. Now, I'm not saying that it's nothing that can be rectified, but I think Aaron Rodgers, as a quarterback, is a little bit flawed. And I think whoever's idea was to put Aaron Rodgers out there with two rookies as his main two targets is an, just a completely separate issue. And I think that we've said this before. I think the defense is a little bit flawed. I think – and when I say all this, I think the Packers are still probably a playoff team. Like, looking at the rest of their schedule, they're going to be favored in, I would guess, at least nine of their remaining games. Easily. they're they're, they're, they're It's all going to be okay – but I don't, I think the reaction and the reality of our situation as of today, they're not necessarily in that Super Bowl conversation. They're probably a lot closer mm-hmm. to that playoff conversation. And that's just the reality of what happened over the last, what, 18 months? Back to the Jordan Love pick. We all knew this year was going to be coming.
2: Wait, are we jumping into Packers talk or are we still talking about your stupid noogies that don't make sense? I should have got that off my chest. I'm,
1: so going back to it, Packers fans, we'll, relax. We'll talk Packers. We have Mason coming up here soon. Relax, so we'll talk Packers in a little bit. But, but the team has some flaws that you're going to have to get... It could be ugly at times this year. Let's put it that way. So just relax, but don't be so toxic. Does that make sense?
2: I think just real quick before we do get to Mason in reactionary to your comment. I think it's when you talk about them not being able to handle whatever happened, when you talk about three offensive starters that did not play, if that didn't change their game plan at the last minute, I don't think that's correct. I think it definitely did, especially two tackles, two offensive tackles, especially when you're talking about a backup center, moving to right guard uh and then your number one your perceived number one wide receiver being out it, i don't like i don't think when you talk about whether that changed the game plan or not I, I think it definitely did
1: what do you think green bay does different though with let's just say the three offensive linemen show shop what do you think green bay does all that different that would have made a difference in the talent gap to minnesota and i, I guess i wouldn't necessarily say minnesota's more talented than green bay is today I would right. say that Minnesota had the better player and sometimes the better player just has a big game. Justin Jefferson went for one eighty four and two touchdowns, correct? Sure. On uh, nine yeah. interceptions. Yep. So regardless yep. of what Green Bay did on offense, I don't think that changes.
2: I I think it does because when you have three offensive or when you have three offensive linemen, the game plan <clears throat> as it should be every week should be ball possession. And it should be running the ball. There's, it, I, I think the stat is 23 times that Dylan and and Jones carried the ball. That's for, egregious. Don't what, you
1: think? I don't. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying that I I think the Packers have some flaws that you need to iron out. And it could be they're lucky though, because who they have this week? They have the Chicago, Bears. yeah. And then what? It's like the Jets, Giants, and Patriots yes. all right in a row. Those all should be winnable games. No, Tampa
0: Bay. It's Tampa Bay, then Jets, Giants, Patriots. Which I
1: think Tampa Bay is a winnable game as well. I'll put that out there. I watched them on Sunday. Um, So I don't think it's ready to jump off a cliff. I just don't think they're in the same category as some of the upper echelon teams in the NFL today. And I think Minnesota... Who's the upper upper echelon
2: in the NFC? I mean, really, when you looked at this weekend...
1: Well, I think Tampa Bay is a better team. I think it's a winnable game, but I think Tampa Bay is a better team. And if it comes down to it, I'd put my money on Tom Brady over Aaron Rodgers 10 times out of 10. Like, that's not really a question. I think that the Rams... With that receiving, I would agree with that. The Rams not are going to get in trouble. The Rams are going to... The Rams yeah. came out a little flat, and that's... Again, no one plays in the preseason, so I think some of this stuff is all just a timing issue. You know what?
0: I'm gonna I want to kind of touch on that right before
1: you go. Yeah,
0: through. hit it, hit it. No. I, this is another one of hit those it. toxic, stupid Twitter takes that just drives me nuts, and it's it's an uneducated take, I think, in my opinion, where if you're gonna blame players not playing in the preseason on why a team, Justin Jefferson didn't take a snap in the preseason, right? But timing... Patrick Mahomes
1: and the the Chiefs did not take a snap in the preseason. Yes, but it's a timing thing. And did Green Bay have timing with their receivers? No. Well, that, so then what? But causes those that guys,
0: though? I mean, those guys. A lot of those guys played in the preseason.
1: I believe Patrick Mahomes did as well. I believe Patrick Mahomes played in the preseason. I don't think I'm it was, not
0: certain of that. I think he may have played one series. I'm just
1: saying that some of he that played in, the first game. Some of that in-game timing that the Packers looked bad on this last week. I'm not saying that the preseason fixes that, but I do think that preseason snaps definitely help in live action 100%. I, i'm not saying that like i'm not saying that that changes the outcome of this game i don't i think that game was a losing game no matter who was playing i think minnesota gets the better of them minnesota always plays green bay tough especially in minnesota especially in minnesota and <laughs> you have a lot of young players you're relying on to make plays and at the end of the day, young players in a NFL... One of the most hostile NFL arenas in the league, right? I mean, it is. So, we talk about that way. I think there are some timing issues. I think the moment was a little bit too big for Watson and Dobbs today. Now, come January when they play the Vikings again, I don't necessarily think that'll be the case. But... Week one, it was just a bad matchup. I think Matt LaFleur, like I've said before, I'm not sold that he's anything special either. Anytime he plays a coach that is better or has equal talent to him, he tends to struggle. I think the one Astro can put next to that was at the Rams last year. I would say last year's
2: San Francisco game plan sucked. Oh, for sure. Oh,
1: yeah, that was. Uh, but I, like I said, I'm not sold on Matt LaFleur as being a... I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's anywhere near the Shanahan's or McVeigh's of the world or Andy Reid or Sean Payton. I know I'm kind of stretching a little bit, but... All right, boys. So that is
0: our, our Noogies of the Week. With that, we would typically get into our What's Weird Wisconsin story... Pretty tame week in the world of Wisconsin for news story. So not a whole lot to kind of go off there. So we're going to skip that for today. And with that, you know, kind of taking a look here, Brewers to still technically in playoff contention. Uh, big series coming up against the St. Louis Cardinals. Big eight game stretch starting tonight. That game's tied 2-2. Two two. Uh, Badger talk we'll do here in a little bit. But with that, we're going to go to Mason Sprangers as Mason joins the show. And joining us now, the newest member of the Root for Wisconsin team. You saw him on our Facebook, Instagram, TikTok pages today with four plays of Sprangs. It's Mason Sprangers. Mason, how you doing, buddy?
3: Doing great, guys. How you doing?
0: Fantastic. Glad to have you on. Glad to have you part of the team uh, with your Packer breakdowns. And kind of looking at the scouting. So first, uh, you know, tough loss this week.
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh Unfortunately, you know, starting week one on the road with a super young team, uh, hostile environment, um, definitely didn't go the way that the, the team wanted. But I will say I definitely felt a lot better uh, about the performance after watching on tape compared to just watching it on TV on Sunday.
0: Now we'll get to that because that, that's an interesting we could really break that down there quite a bit um but before we do so kind of looking just to see you know as we go into the game from as it kind of went down uh you know first thing we want to talk to you about and kind of discuss was the roster itself kind of going into the game and I know that we didn't get a chance to have you on post uh preseason and training camp like we usually do and I know I'd kind of asked you we kind of talked about some of the, the surprises if you will or some of the takeaways from the initial 53 but any big kind of Lingering effects of that, those decision making that you've that you've noticed.
3: Um, not necessarily uh, in Sunday's game necessarily. Obviously, a lot of the hindering factors come back to the injuries. So obviously, the offensive line group was. I don't know. I don't have any stats to back me up on this, but um, it had to be probably the youngest offensive line group that the Packers have put out there in a game at any point. Uh, definitely in my lifetime. Um, you know, you look at Josh Myers, he played only a few games last year, was hurt a lot of the year. Uh, Royce Newman played a lot of ball last year, but none of them, you know, none, none of his snaps came at right tackle last year. Like he played in, uh, on Sunday, you know, Yash Nyman played a lot of ball Runyan played a, a decent amount of ball. Um, and then you had a guy that never took an NFL snap before at right guard in Hanson. Um, so that, the O-line group kind of epitomizes what I think a lot of the roster is. You just have a lot of young guys who I think have talent and that will be successful in the league for some time, but um, just not a lot of experience at this point.
0: So kind of looking at that, I think that's that offensive line group was kind of a focal point takeaway from this Sunday's game with that Just that grouping, and I know it looks like Justin's got something to add on here. Justin?
2: Yeah, I was going to add, Mason, really what do you think the thinking was uh, with moving Newman out to right guard and playing Jake Hansen at – or moving Newman out to right tackle and playing Hansen at right guard as opposed to starting Zach Tom? Um, And then how much do you really think that affected the game plan – uh, at such a late stature going into the game?
3: Sure. Well, you know, I think, you know, to answer the first part, um, you know, you go and you watch the, the preseason tape and I think both Tom and Hanson showed a lot of really good things um, when they were playing at guard. Uh, you look at Hanson, you know, he's been around for a while now. He's not. He hasn't gotten a chance to play at all, um, but he's he's a guy that's been in the system. So I think... A lot of that may come back to the mental aspect of it, knowing the offensive scheme, knowing the protection adjustments, um, knowing the late calls at the line if they're switching from a run pass call to a pass run or whatever it is. Um, I think that certainly probably had a good amount to do with it. Um, but you know, as far as you know Royce moving out to tackle, you know they they cross train these guys um, you know you look at some of the best offensive lines across the NFL you know you get you know guards that play tackle and you have tackles that get moved mm. inside um, you just the more versatility that you have as a unit um, the better because you're gonna suffer injuries and nicks and bumps and bruises throughout the course of the season where you need that flexibility um, so but you know Jake Hansen I thought played okay. Um, you know, you look at the, his tape from the preseason, he showed a lot of good things. And even, you know, I went back and looked at what I wrote up on him when he was coming out of college. And, you know, it's the, the quick feet to get into his sets, whether it's a a short set or a 45 set, um, you know, he's got good feet, uh, good punch timing and placement with his hands. I think a lot of the, what it came down to on Sunday was, You know, he hasn't been in the fire yet um, in an NFL regular season game. And, you know, when you're only getting preseason snaps, you're not seeing a ton from the defenses as far as, you know, delayed blitzes from the second level, twist game up front. Um, you, You saw a good amount of twist game on Sunday from the Vikings. And I think that's a lot of where they struggled. Um, they didn't bring a ton of pressure, uh, them being Minnesota. They only blitzed a few times throughout the course of the game. But that twist game up front where you're, you know, coming across with a defensive tackle and the end is looping inside or the end crashes down and the tackle loops around, you know, that, that twist game up front, um, you, know, you have to have a lot of good communication and know your rules, and that's where the Packers struggled a little bit. And the inexperience definitely showed there on, on Sunday with that.
1: You know, what I took from that on Sunday, I, I was like, man, I miss Billy Turner. Not that he would have made a difference, but someone that's a little more versatile that you can kind of plug and play in places. And...
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Billy obviously played a lot of guard, and he played a lot of tackle. And, um, you know, really more than anything, just a guy on the line that's a veteran voice because yep. while they are five individual players it's it's one unit you know if if four guys are doing the right thing and one guy is doing the wrong thing well you know maybe sometimes you're made right by the quarterback or the running back that's staying into block can make you right but you know a lot of times you're going to struggle if all five guys aren't all on the same page and um you know not having that cohesion as a unit even though they've they've had the practice reps and uh that unit specifically played a lot of snaps in the preseason. But, you know, like I said just before, you know, the preseason, you're not seeing a ton of different looks and complicated looks where you're really having to communicate in the heat of battle as far as what you're doing with what the defense is presenting you. So, um, obviously, you're gonna want, you know, your stalwart tackles back, Bakhtiari and Jenkins back as quickly as you can. That will really help solidify the unit with the experience that both of them have. Um, But, you know, I think there is was some good things, but a lot of things to clean up that are correctable. You know, like I said, the the players up front, they have the skill, they have the talent, I think, to succeed in the league. But, um, you know, the the positive thing is that the things that I think they struggled with most are definitely correctable moving forward.
2: Yeah, so speaking of that directly, um, I think PFF gave – a jake hansen a 14.4 grade um now i think that was pass blocking alone, which is pretty low and i don't know how you rate with uh pff or, or how that works um on the flip side how did you specifically think that zach tom performed when he came in for john runyon jr
3: yeah, I thought I thought he did some some good things um, in the the plays that a couple of the plays that I um, included in the film breakdown uh, featured him, and one of them was on the pull lead concept that the Packers started running in the in the second half. Um, they ran it three times on the one drive, where you know you get that down block from the tackle slash tight end, and that. Playside guard. So, being Tom uh, on two of the three times they ran it, would pull outside and you know took a really good angle, came in square, had in hands. So, I, I really liked the mobility out in space and be able to block uh, a defender in space. Um, you know, and then one of the other plays that I you know included in the video where you know they had a full five-man slide on there was some miscommunication with him and Nyman about who was supposed to pick up the free rusher and the second level delayed blitz and Eric Hendricks. Uh, they gave up a free rusher. So, you know, just the, the skill is there. The, the, the talent from a you know, pass pro standpoint, from a, a zone running stand zone blocking standpoint, a gap blocking standpoint, the, the traits that you look for are all there uh, for sure. It's just the, the minute, mental details as far as fully understanding the the protections and the adjustments as far as you know late calls as far as what the defense is doing you know Aaron Rodgers has the opportunity and the ability to change from a pass play to a run play or run play to a pass late in the clock um so just the 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 mental sharpness of guys and the the communications up front of you know, what they need to do in their pass protections, I think obviously needs to improve and it will as these guys get more game reps. But uh, I think he did a lot of really good things out on the field on Sunday. All
0: right, Mason. So before we get into the positives, I know one of the plays that you had spotlighted was that play right before the end of the first half where Justin Jefferson gets that long touchdown, and put the Vikings up 17, nothing. And Justin Jefferson had a literal career day this week against the Packers. So I guess from your perspective, I mean, I know that you broke it down in the, in the video already, but kind of elaborate on that video, that play that you chose and, and what allowed Justin Jefferson to be so successful all day.
3: Yeah. So, you know, like I said in the video, to the Vikings credit, they did run a number of really good concepts to defeat the coverage that, the you know, they were presented uh, by the Packers, um, that play specifically that I included in the video. You know, the, the route concept just really puts the coverage in conflict. Um, when you're running a crossing route each direction and then, you know, you have a vertical route on the same side as one of the crossing routes, you know, you put that deep third uh, defender, you know, and the cornerback in this case was Eric Stokes, who was carrying that post route down the field. He's playing outside leverage. He has to maintain that because, you know, he knows he has safety help on the inside. Um, but that, that vertical route really prohibited him from coming off and picking Justin Jefferson up. Um, the, the depth from the linebackers wasn't there. They had the Vikings sent out a tight end and a running back uh, kind of into the, the short to intermediate area there to kind of occupy those guys and keep them from getting depth. Um, so that was just a, an example of, you know, a, a really good route concept. They got the coverage um, another play that I almost was going to include in the video, obviously I had to keep it to a few plays, but, um, I believe it was in the first quarter. Um, they showed it on TV. It was one of the few times that they played man coverage in the course of the game and Stokes was on Jefferson and, you know, he really, you know, planted his foot in the ground outside and cut inside, you know, for a 15, 20 yard gain. And that play was a interesting coverage uh, by the Packers where Amos was aligned deep as a split safety uh, at the start of the play. And he actually ended up coming all the way down and taking the running back out of the flat, which left Devondre Campbell just roaming in the middle of the field. Um, You know, I don't know what they, obviously I don't know what they have intricacy wise in their system, but you know, an option that I would think moving forward to try to take your, you know, that other team's best player away would be to have Campbell take the back out of the backfield and you can bring Amos down and almost bracket, you know, the best receiver where your corner is playing outside, you have the safety coming down and playing inside and you just create a natural bracket where you don't give the quarterback a window to throw the football. Um, there just there just wasn't any of that. Um, You know, it was was a lot of zone coverage, and like you said, Jefferson, to his credit, um, you really ran scot free throughout the the majority of the game.
0: So, Mason, then you know, if we're gonna kind of flip from there to the positives, I know that you had said when you first came on that you were pretty excited that there's a lot of positive things you kind of after watching the tape take away from this game. What do you kind of have in mind with that?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you go and you look at what the Packers did. I'll start offensively. Um, you know, the, the way they ran the football, um, they, they only ran the ball 17 times throughout the course of the game, but they averaged, you know, over 6.5 yards per. Um, that's really encouraging. Um, the, the push that they got up front, obviously they, they had a couple of plays where they were stuffed, like down at the goal line. Um, but that's a lot of success with multiple different run schemes. You know, they ran outside zone, uh, successfully for about four yards per carry the, the lead pull, uh, run concept that I mentioned and that I included in the video, you know, they only utilized that three times, but they got 18 yards per out of it. And, you know, the, the Packers for a long time, I mean, since the floor got here, they're a zone running team. So, um, you know, well over half of their runs are outside zone or inside zone. And, you know, I think if they get to some more gap concepts, so your lead pull, your power, your counter, your your straight up man blocking schemes, they've been really successful with that. If you go back to last year and look at, you know, their efficiency in the gap concepts like i mentioned the lead pull the power the counter the man you know they averaged you know close to five yards per with those run concepts but they just didn't run a ton of those so um i'll be interested to see if they start incorporating some more of those uh run concepts those gap run concepts moving forward uh if you then go to the passing game um they had a lot of success with crossing routes and tight ends, backs leaking out late into the flat. Um, You saw the one play where they didn't have the protection. Uh, Cobb was running across her and was wide open. It would have been a big gain. Uh, They hit Tanyan on the delayed uh, leak out from the backside uh, for 15, 20 yards. So they had some really good success there. One of the things, and I said this even last year, That I wish they would get back to more of was running mesh concept which they ran a ton of in 2020 and what that mesh concept is is that you have you can have a receiver on each side you can have two on one side one on the other you can have a running back tight end you can have so many different variations but that mesh concept has guys on each side of the formation aligned tight to the formation And they run across the field and try to rub shoulders as they come across the field. And what that does is it just creates a lot of traffic for the defense that are trying to either pass off those routes or they're trying to get through the traffic to stay in phase on those routes. They ran it so many times and they ran it so effectively in 2020 and they haven't gone back to it very much at all. Um, Last year, I really don't remember them running it a ton uh, and didn't see any of it really on Sunday either. Um, but that's, a, I think, a really big um, concept for them. And what it does is it doesn't put pressure on your young receivers to try to win a route one-on-one. This way you're kind of scheming guys open. And you saw that with the, the pass of Dobbs down the sideline on Sunday where they, they fake that rocket screen and they, you know, the defenders bid on that and Dobbs was just open down the sideline. you like that's scheming guys open. You're taking the pressure off of your young receivers and, you know, limiting the amount of times that they have to win one-on-one. So those are the things that I would look for um, moving forward. They, there were signs of that throughout the course of the game on Sunday. Uh, obviously, you know, the, the protection wasn't always there or, they didn't win routes. Uh, there were a lot of different variations of things that didn't line up for them to be fully successful, but there were definitely signs of it on tape uh, from Sunday. Ramsey?
1: I guess I don't really have that. That's just uh, <laughs> that comes on here and makes me think about so much more than I normally do. <laughs> Justin?
2: Yeah, you definitely scrambled my brain, and I'm sitting here currently. Uh, I've got film on of high school football, Mason. So while you're scrambling my brain even worse, it's, it's, it, this is so great to listen to you. I would just ask real quickly what you thought the assessment would have been of uh, Quay Walker uh, real quick. Uh, obviously, I thought he played uh, tremendously in the first quarter, the first couple series. Uh he was all over the field making plays. uh he was a lot of fun to watch, so
3: yeah, I completely agree um really enjoyed watching him on tape uh the the speed and the physicality at that position it's it's eye popping when you you know i've I've watched every single snap of this team on film since you know since twenty fifteen and it's eye popping the difference in speed and physicality that the Packers have now at that position with both now Quay Walker, but Devontae Campbell also, Um, but Quay Walker specifically. And I I highlighted it again in one of the, the plays that I put down in the breakdown where, you know, his eyes were on his key, which was the running back. The running back went out into the flat and he was on it. He was in phase. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was in great position to, keep his eyes on the quarterback. So if he does throw the ball, maybe he can make a break on it and make a play on the football or, you know, he's in position to make a tackle. Um, you know, just, he played very well. He had, he has sideline to sideline speed. Uh, there were a couple of plays on particularly inside zone concept from the Vikings that he didn't necessarily fit the run extremely well. And what I mean by that is, um, each player has a gap responsibility uh the Packers are a one gap defense so if let's say he's lined up behind Kenny Clark and Kenny Clark is defending the a gap and it's Quay Walker's responsibility to come down and fill that b gap you know there were a couple times where they were running you know kind of a stretch but it was you know still considered inside zone you know off of the, the left guard or the right guard where he, he kind of gets too far out in front, doesn't necessarily fit the fit the run correctly, um, but that's that's a correctable thing. Uh, he's he's got all the traits that you would look for at a linebacker. Love the way he came out, and you just he smacked a couple guys. Like yeah, <laughs> he, that that hit that he had early in the game. I think it was like the third or fourth play of the game on a little short pass in the flat on the left side. Um, we haven't seen, at least I haven't seen, a, a Packers linebacker lay the wood like that in a long time. Yeah. Maybe, maybe maybe since A.J. Hawk, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, so that's very, very encouraging to see for the Packers uh, defense.
0: All right, Mason, before we let you go, one more question here. And this one kind of coming up to Packers-Bears, obviously we'll get your breakdown next week. But before we do that, kind of looking ahead to the next game coming up here, key matchup or matchups that you're kind of looking to see that'll need to happen for a Packers win.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of cliche, but um, you know, football, football is one in the trenches. Right. And um, I think the, the bears offensive line is very young and raw and inexperienced. And to be quite frank, I I was looking forward to what they were going to do against the Niners front. On Sunday, but didn't really get a chance to see that. You know, weather like that really slows down a pass rush. Um, so I think if the Packers can get pressure with four, and they can utilize a, a two-four-five, which is two defensive linemen, four backers, and your five defensive backs, if they can create pressure with those front four, they can really, you know, free themselves up from a coverage standpoint where you, you know, you can have seven guys in coverage and it really makes things difficult on a young quarterback in Justin Fields. Um, that'd be the first thing I look for from a defensive perspective. Um, their ability to get pressure with four, I think is going to be really, really important. And at the same time trying to get pressure with four, but not allowing Justin Fields to run free, but, you know, if you get that pressure with four, you can have your your backers lingering and underneath zone that can help, you know, limit his running opportunities. So I would look for that from the Packers defense, and then offensively, um, I would just I kind of touched on it already, um, utilize more more gap run concepts. I think the Packers. Offensive line, obviously we don't know who's fully going to be in the lineup if Runyon's going to be back from concussion, if Jenkins or Bakhtiari work their way back into the lineup. We don't really know yet. Um, but utilize that gap concept. I think physicality-wise, I think the Packers offensive line can generate movement, and that's where you can really have success from a, a gap-running scam uh, standpoint. And if you're running that, If you're running that gap concept, that really opens up your play action pass also. So that would be what I would look for from the Packers offense, that gap concept and getting the ball in the hands of Dylan and Jones more than 18 times because it should be probably double that. And I think LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, you know, the entire offensive staff knows that 18 times for the two of them combined is not enough. So I think you'll see a lot more touches from both of them uh, come Sunday night.
0: Awesome stuff, Mason. Anything else for him, guys?
3: I got a NASCAR
0: question I,
1: for Mason. I <laughs> thought it was awesome. Hit hey, me with it. What do you think of Kyle Busch going to the eight car? Just announced earlier this morning.
3: Or... It, it, is it for sure going to be the eight?
1: Yep, they just announced it today. He's going to be taking over Tyler Reddick. They said he's going to go to third charter. Okay. Austin Dillon's going to stay in the three and Kyle Bush to the eight.
3: Okay. I, I didn't see anything about the number because right, I knew that he was going to be going to Childress, but um, part of me was just hoping that they'd put him in a black three car. For, That's what for I think. Some...
1: The picture today was a black eight. Okay. Black eight, white number.
3: Yeah, I I can't I can't say I blame him for sure for putting him in the A and leaving Dylan in the three. Um, But part of me wanted to to kind of see Kyle in in a in a three car. Um, But, yeah, I think it's it's interesting for sure. I just I'm still amazed that, you know, Gibbs and Toyota are willing to let arguably the best, you know, talent wise driver of this era just walk out the door uh, obviously I think the talk was that sponsorship and all that had a lot to do with it um, but it'll be interesting I mean obviously RCR has run a lot better um, this year obviously they've had uh, a couple of wins with Reddick and you know Dylan I mean he, he won with like seven eight cars left on the track but he's, you know it's still a win, so a win, um, a win. but yeah exactly they they've been running a lot better so I'm, I'm really interested to see what he does if he goes over there and a guy with that type of talent and that kind of experience can elevate that program even further it's going to be interesting for sure
0: all right awesome stuff Mason thanks again for joining us and also thanks again for joining the team and being part of our uh, weekly content
3: oh absolutely guys I appreciate you guys having me it's always fun talking ball with you guys and I love watching tape and breaking it down. So if I can, you know, provide some some breakdowns of uh, of the Packers and give some further insights into what's going on on the field, I'm I'm glad to do it. So I appreciate you guys.
2: Awesome, Mason Sprague. Thanks, everybody. Mason. You're the man, Mason. Thank Ooh. you.
3: Appreciate hey, you guys. All
0: right. Once again, thank you to Mason for joining us. Great Packer talk, as always with him. And I mean, there's not a whole lot else to add. In my book, anyway. Um, Not that any of us potatoes gonna add. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, Ramsey and I were sitting here talking in the, in the break here of just, I, I find it so interesting that they only played man five times. And, you know, I don't know if that would have prevented the game going defensively the way that it did. You know, I'm really kind of curious. You know, I don't even know if Jair on Justin Jefferson would have been the route to go, or if it would have been Rasul. I think we can all agree that Stokes maybe not have been the best guy for that assignment. But Stokes pretty good at the same time too. So you know, it's it, it's just kind of one of those things where it is what it is, and you take that loss a little tough, but you kind of deal I thought with it.
2: Stokes and... sucked. I honestly did. I thought Stokes sucked that game.
1: I don't. I'm I am the first person in the world to say I'm I think Eric Stokes is a little overrated but I sometimes the best player on the field just gets open and has a day. You know, I'm going to be upfront though. I don't I don't think I mean Stokes
0: yes had a bad game. I really think Darnell Savage got kind of lucky that Stokes was so visual in a lot of things cuz a lot of plays where Stokes got beat. Savage got beat mm-hmm. too, but Savage kind of gets credit because he, yes, he's playing safety and kind of makes the tackle or whatever. But Savage, he there was that one I don't know if I was a touch if it was a, ended up being a touchdown or for something different. But Savage got turned around twice and did had no idea where the ball was on multiple occasions within one play. So I think I think he kind of gets a little bit of a pass because of how the outside defensive backs get um kind of a harder harder it's been a theme
1: with him it has been a theme
0: it really has and then that's he's so good and sometimes and then there's other times i think he's very opportunistic because of his speed i think his speed gets him out of a lot of situations but i think kind of the same thing with stokes is he plays almost a little too fast for his own good
1: Does that make sense Mm -hmm. how much of this those two young players just not uh Having the full NFL experience yet is that part of it as well? I bet you. You know, it takes a long time for these guys to really break out into be stars,
2: right? Sure,
0: but at some point it's well, got to click, right? Is going into
2: his fourth year, isn't
0: he? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. At some point, it's gotta click, and you know, you and it—it's totally different areas of the of the game, but. We see how much Rashawn Gary stepped up, and Savage and him are the same draft class.
2: See, this is where I struggle with you, Ramsey, because you say this about Darnell Savage, but you won't give Jordan Love the same type of stuff. So let's get into Jordan Love. Did you
1: guys watch the 49er-Bear game? <clears throat> Not much. It was a slog of a
0: game to watch. I paid more attention to the, the pittsburgh uh, Bengal Cincinnati game. game.
1: Justin, did you watch that game at all?
2: Uh, I had it on. I was watching film.
1: Okay, so I'll put it this way. You have a guy like Justin Fields and you have a guy like Trey Lance. And I'm not necessarily a big fan of either one. I think Trey Lance looks like he's the FCS guy who is super athletic, but doesn't have the capability of being an NFL quarterback. Justin Fields, on the other hand, you watch him and he makes plays... He makes plays and knows how to win and gets into position. And you watch him and you go, oh, you see some special. It's not all the time. It's not every play. He plays on a really bad Chicago team. But off script, Justin Fields is pretty good. Jordan Love is not... Justin Fields, for sure. He might be more closer to Trey Lance. But I think that Jordan Love, in general, looks over his skis when you put him actually on an NFL field. And that's not... I don't want to be Mr., oh, I hate Jordan Love. I think he's a garbage waste of a pick. But I kind of do. Like, I don't hate Jordan Love. I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. I'm sure that he... Is going to have a career As a backup to some extent You hate Jordan Love But I don't think that he's A starting NFL quarterback As of today Because and I say this And this is what I mean I I always go back to this topic And I'm kind of glad We're hitting some of my points I want to talk about So I want to talk about Jordan Love, Justin Fields And then Dak Prescott was the next one And the way that teams have been winning in the nfl lately is getting a rookie in place to be serviceable enough to build a roster around them and then make a super bowl run right so traditionally speaking the whole aaron Rodgers type thing a guy who's getting paid 50 million dollars those guys aren't really winning the super bowls tom brady's taken less when patrick mahomes won his super bowl he was taken less carson wentz was still on a rookie deal when the Rams got there with Jared Goff, he was on a rookie deal. Um, Tom Brady was taken last. So your quarterback can only make up so much percent of your cap. And if Jordan Love, they thought, was a capable quarterback to be even what Dak Prescott is, they would have shipped Aaron Rodgers out. But they couldn't get to that point. And I think we're going into year three now, and we're still not really sure what Jordan Love is, right? Because we have we saw him in eight quarters a game. So, are we? I guess I, the jury's still a little bit out on Jordan Love, but inside the organization, they're telling you everything you need to know about who, who he is. I don't, and I know you have a hard time with that, Justin. I don't really expect you to get that, but like that's. Uh, I don't know that it's a reality of the NFL. Like, to
2: me, anybody I've talked to, you are the only one that thinks that.
1: Yeah, because you talk to Packer fans, and Packer fans are boneheads. He had <laughs> what? How many interceptions did he have in the preseason? Four or five? I don't know off the top of my head. And I'm not again. I'm not saying that Jordan Love is who. Uh, who is that kid from Buffalo that was? Just all... Who was that? Um, the guy who... J.P. Lawsman? No, the really bad one from a couple of years ago that John Gruden loved and brought him into Las Vegas. Oh, Peters? Oh, no. Yeah, Nate Peters. Nate Peterson? Nate Peterman? Peterman? Yeah, Peterman. Peterman. Yes. He's not Nate Peterman, but he's... I don't think that he is... Dak Prescott, even. And I think Dak Prescott is atrocious did you watch him on sunday night football yeah he's lucky he broke his hand because it's gonna be a long year for dallas and they got worse every single position because you paid dak all this money and now you can't afford to put a roster on Dak to hide his flaws and like i said do i think you could probably win with jordan love yeah i probably do and really does jordan love to aaron Rodgers make a difference on sunday no probably not but Green Bay would not be putting up with Aaron Rodgers right now if Jordan Love was ready to play at a high NFL level.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I'm not we've, – we've, we've went round and round with this argument over and over and over. I was going to
0: say, this argument is as old as, as our podcast this is. Joke. This has just yeah. been
1: going nonstop since we started recording episodes. And you guys just don't listen right. to me, which you really should. I have a lot of uh, valuable information that comes out over here. So I want to uh, talk about college football. All right. Perfect okay. segue because that was going to be talked about eventually here anyway. So Sorry, what do you got hi, for hi. us? So Alabama, Texas. Do we, did, did you, did you, I, I know Eric you said you watched part of it. Justin, did you see that game? I did. Alabama, Texas. Okay. Did either one of you guys watch USC Stanford? No. No. That's the game you should have watched. I'm a little disappointed in both I, of you for not watching that game. But, so the I NIL...
2: Lincoln-Riley.
1: What? I can't USC was so much fun to watch. You want to talk about a team that understands how to play offense. Their defense is atrocious, and I think that USC is going to be limited by that factor. But you want to talk about a beautiful play of offense, watch USC football. They are... It is – it's crazy to watch that team. That might be one of the most talented offensive teams I've ever seen in college football. Those guys can move the ball. But that's what I was getting to. So the NIL deal. And what NIL has done is it has allowed players to go to these big schools and make them relevant again. And that's what happened with Texas-Alabama. So watching Texas-Alabama, if Quinn Ewers doesn't get injured – I think we can pretty safely say Texas is
2: wins that game. Do you agree, Justin? Uh I no, I wouldn't say that.
1: You don't think that I wouldn't say you don't that. think Quinn Yours who went out with what hundred and forty yards in the first quarter and a half? Doesn't continue that? Yep. So I do. I think that Quinn Evers stays healthy. I think that they'd be Alabama at home. But what NIL has done is it's allowed these programs to go buy players. And it's going to even the wealth out of the top. But what that's going to do to the rest of NCAA is it's going to bottom everyone else out. Because at the end of the day, you are getting only X amount of really talented players that come out of high school every single year. All these guys are going to go to these top colleges and it's going to make these You're gonna. we're going to see some really good football here with some of these top high level elite teams and I'm here for it so I'm going to say and this is something that I, I regret to say but I think I was wrong about the 12 team playoff I was saying it should stay at 4 because all these players were on 4 teams and we didn't see that anymore but going forward I think there's going to be about Six to eight teams that are going to be super elite, and there's going to be everybody else. And I think we're going to have some really interesting matchups going to 12 due to the NIL, and these teams are now allowed to basically buy players out. Hey, Justin, put it on the board. Ramsey kind of came around and something that we said from day one. I was going to say it. I was going to say it. I would put an asterisk by that, though. And it would if the NIL deal wouldn't be how it's currently structured, it wouldn't be worth it.
2: I think I think you're right, but I think you're underselling it. And I think there's two big factors. I think there's the superpower conferences that are going to come, um, and then the NIL are meeting head to head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So yep. Now you've got schools like the AAC, the Sun Belt, um, the Mountain West. Um, Some of these, and quite frankly, now the Pac-12, because USC and UCLA, with them jumping ship, they've saved themselves. Um, But all of those major players in those conferences are going to enter the transfer portal, and they're going to go to the highest bidder. So it's conceivable that a team... um, that could pool the most amount of money for a one-year go at it, could put almost a 22-man roster together um, in one year. So if you think about a coach like a P.J. Flex or P.J. Fleck, who is incredibly sellable, who is recruiting incredibly high at a school like Minnesota, that there is a chance that there are... Higher level teams um, that you are underselling, per se, that can get back into the mix. Schools like uh, Miami, Florida, Florida State, uh, even a Pittsburgh. um, See, and that's – what I agreed with you up to that point. And this is – Tennessee. This is um, where there's going to be
1: a disconnect. Some of
2: these traditional powers.
1: A place like Minnesota, Wisconsin, Notre Dame is going to be left behind. And that's kind of the... Ooh, unf- big disagree. No, because there's not money there. Wisconsin at University of Madison does not have the money or the market revenue that someone like L.A. does. So you, if, you you they... give a, if, no, if you bring a five-star kit in and go, Hey, do you want to go play in snowy Wisconsin and make $500,000 a year? Or do you want to go play in L.A. and make a million dollars? That million dollars in L.A. is going to go a lot further than the $500,000 does in Wisconsin. And I know that's kind of the thought process of this is going to even it out and teams are going to be able to buy players, but there's going to be so much money, and we already saw it with Texas and USC. Texas, I, I might be overreacting to an Alabama game that Alabama kind of came out a little flat, but mm-hmm. when you watch those teams side by side, Texas was as big and as fast as Alabama was. And I don't think that's really all that – of a hot take I watched that game and I'm like these Texas players are the same size and they're running the same speed and they're as physical as Alabama and USC is all of that I think USC has a couple more issues that Texas doesn't I think Texas is a better defensive team watching on Saturday but SC there's probably but that's
2: also my point you're talking about a traditional power that we haven't talked about in 10 years. Longer than that. That's coming back. We haven't talked so, USC being relevant USC since Matt and Bush, Bush.
0: or Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush. And that's been
1: 2006.
0: And Texas, exactly yeah.
2: right. And, you know, you add traditional powers within the SEC or or the Big Ten that could get back into the realm of it. Like, it's it very well could be 12 teams. See, I don't know about That would legitimately have a shot
1: i think there's i i don't i won't necessarily concede to 12 quite yet but i would say eight you can probably argue the top eight right now because usc is what seven i believe as of today usc is seven i'm not sure who eight is but i would say that usc would have an outside chance of making some noise in the playoffs See, I, I think
0: this is a lot more wide open than you're even getting a credit for, Ramsey. It's not, though. Do you
1: watch Wisconsin on Saturday?
0: Wisconsin aside, and I'm not saying that they're going to be but were, that team within the next year or two. But that's 19, though. But the, the path for a school like Wisconsin is there. No, it's not. I promise it's not. The money will not be there.
1: See, but the money doesn't come from the school. Money comes from alumni. Right. The alumni aren't there. What are you talking about? Compared to Texas? You know what? Texas A&M's bankrolling people right now.
0: Texas A&M just lost to Appalachian State. Yes, but gonna, matter.
1: they have five-star recruits coming in and out of there. And what have we already determined? Oh, I guess I determined. I don't know if you guys caught up yet. But you have to have a top-five recruiting class for a national title. Yeah,
0: and a top-five recruiting class just got and beat Wisconsin, by, Texas, by Appalachian Wisconsin State.
1: Wisconsin will never get there. Wisconsin will never get close to that. Never again. Not with the NIL. See, that's, they might that's get where you're the, wrong, They though. might get to the 20s. But you're saying Wisconsin's going to be able to compete with USC? I think Wisconsin very, very realistically
0: can get some alum to pull some money together because they do have very successful... Already, okay, so you get... they already line.
2: started the process. So, They've already started that. They but, have... So you
1: get one or two players compared to USC you
2: game You can get 12? as many
0: as you want. They're, yeah, but
2: this is, if,
1: if this is going to continue
0: to be the open Wild West that it has been... There is no reason that that can't happen in Wisconsin. Yeah. They are the only show in the state for college football. It won't matter. They are the main show in that city where they are in Madison, just like how Tuscaloosa is, unlike Minnesota, where they've got you know Minneapolis and Twin Cities. But they're the only show in the third biggest media market in the state of Wisconsin. So the path for Wisconsin, and as Justin's going to allude to in a little bit here, is very realistically there these other schools out there is very realistically there for like justin said for any one team at any point to have a good
1: one two three year run at any given point is absolutely there it's not though and that's an ignorant statement because you start talking about a 19 year old kid is going to take the money and take the warm weather and the beautiful women, and that's where they're going to go. But, but there's and, money to be had everywhere, Ramsey. But there's not. That's what I'm saying. But it's not the same amount of money. I do know that because USC rebuilt their program in 12 hours. So did Texas. And Alabama is going to be the same. Georgia is going to be the same. Ohio State's not going anywhere. Wisconsin won't be in that category, there's not going to be enough funding there. So, for
0: what 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 do you mean by funding though, you, That's what I'm saying is these their... funding isn't coming from the school. It's not yes, coming from. But, it's coming from outside donors and private okay. sponsorships. Sure. So any that is not, not. That Wisconsin
1: though. You're comparing LA to Madison. Where's the money? All the Follow doctors the who
0: all the doctors who have
1: graduated from the University you're, of Wisconsin Okay, Madison. we're thinking so, we're thinking small market <laughs> though. We're, you're thinking of a doctor compared to movie stars. You're thinking of a chiropractor compared to oil money in Texas. Like these, these are not the same category people were talking. They're funding these teams now, which in, sh- am I wrong? Is there a pathway for Wisconsin? Yes. But we're talking that
2: you're also, you're, you're also forgetting about businesses too.
1: Yeah. Where's all the business though? Out West down South.
2: Well, there's some very, there's very financial, uh, lucrative businesses in the state of Wisconsin that will pony up money because they'll get sponsorship deals within the school, within the stadium. Those are all very viable options. Sure.
1: Again, though, we're talking about two different classes of people. Like I said, Texas has it turned around. Texas and USC have NFL's caliber players on the outside. And they have NFL players on the inside, and they have NFL players on both sides of the ball. How many NFL players on
2: Wisconsin's team today? A handful. The, I, Three, four. I do think, I do think, what you're 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 overrating the one-year factor and not the sustainability factor of it. Because once you go all in on the NIL, that empties the pool. Who has the deeper? Who has the deeper pool? You're about? assuming. You're assu- You're assuming that an oil man is going to continuously dump ten million dollars into look a at, football program. Look at Texas facilities,
1: facilities. Look at USC's facilities. Look at Alabama's facilities. Look at Wisconsin. Wisconsin
2: has great facilities. Yeah, but what? not
1: I don't, not compared. not compared to I Texas or Oklahoma or USC facility. or Ohio State. We're talking about the two different classes. That's where. That's what I'm saying. Like. Sure, could a team get hot, make some noise, yeah, and Wisconsin's first off till Paul Chris goes that this conversation's completely irrelevant. I agree, but i don't I guess I would say as of today, I do not foresee Wisconsin be able to compete with someone like us or Texas or Alabama, for that matter, maybe in a single game setting, like maybe' talking
2: I, I don't know how you jump Texas above everybody else. That's for, into that's a one-game loss. You watch against a team that came out flat. Sure, Texas has. Texas won't win the Big Twelve this year.
1: Who's gonna win it? Well, with who, with Oklahoma Quinn Ewers being down, I guess I, I would might have to agree
2: with that. But Oklahoma, Oklahoma State.
1: I mean, I'll say this Taylor. though: Texas is a lot closer to Alabama than Wisconsin is. A lot closer, like miles apart.
2: Um, maybe. You might be right.
1: And USC Wisconsin is,
2: poor, Wisconsin is very poorly coached. And that's I don't a, think the ta- I don't the think the, the ta- conversation ta- ta- ta-
1: ta- ta- is to have. different.
2: Wisconsin is just very poorly coached. Offensively for sure.
0: I'd highly agree with that at this point. I mean, let's let's kind of segue that here, Justin. I'm sure that you probably watched the Badger game more closely than all three of our, yes. all three of us did. Um, just with how Saturday went, but You know they don't. Obviously, they don't cover the seventeen points. They end up losing to Washington State. And what happened? I'm just going to ask point blank: What happened?
2: They came in and they got kicked right in the teeth. There's no (laughs) other. I mean, there's no other way to put it. They, the coach Dickert and the Cougars had a great uh, game plan. They were going to stuff the box and they were going to make Graham Mertz beat them. Um, The play calling was somewhat of the old. Uh, there was a little sprinkle of Bobby Ingram in there. I thought Graham Mertz was uh, good enough to win the game. Um, special teams was horrendous. And if you don't win in all three phases at that high level of a game, you're not going to win games. And, and you saw that in any other game that you're talking about uh, this weekend. Um, it's just the same methodical bleed you slow uh, type of offense, the whole hum atmosphere with no energy. Um, they just got outperformed bottom line. Uh, there's no, other, there's no other way to put it. You, you can't run a 250 yard or 250 pound back into a nine man box. That's just not going to work. And, um, to continuously repeat doing it, um, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand. I, I, I thought Bobby Ingram was here to change the dynamic. Um, it seems like he gets a call every fourth play, and that fourth play looks like it's a Bobby Ingram play. Um, on the flip side, the defense, uh, you know, to do what they did, they did well. They did well enough to win the game in, in, a, in a big game like that to hold the team to 17 points. Um, you have to come out and win that game um, didn't take advantage of some of the turnovers and, and some of the uh, the obscurities of a game that you should um, and and they definitely lost special teams guys uh, this i don't i don't I don't understand this coaching staff, how it's been put together uh, they've been picked apart and quite frankly uh Paul Chris has been behind the eight ball. Uh, to be honest with you, while I love Coach Dickert and hope that Washington State rises to a, a national power level, this is an embarrassing loss for the University of Wisconsin. This is um, this is like losing to Indiana or to um, Illinois. Uh, it's kind of that same level, and quite frankly, if they play like that, they're <laughs> they're they're not even going to finish third or fourth in in the Big Ten West which is embarrassing um so it's one of two things you you either hope that they do bad and they fire Chris or Chris really really turns it around and they somehow find a way to win the West
1: what's the common denominator though and why are we not getting rid of Paul Chris like that's he's obviously the common denominator since Graham Merce has been there
3: because we've yeah, been so, say, we've
1: been saying that all along, right? That Graham Mertz, you watch him, you're like, he looks like an NFL guy. He commands the huddle. He commands, he commands the huddle. He his gets, presence is there. He, he looks like an NFL kid. And then you... We've seen the arm talent. There's And there's arm talent there, but then all of a sudden, game time rolls around. I guess he looked pretty good on Saturday. He's looked good this season he's as a whole.
2: Good. Yeah, he's looked really good.
1: But where's... Since he's been there to this point, though, it's been a lot of... It's been a lot of ho-hum. Aggressively
2: average. Well, it's aggressively average because the play calling is so predictable. It has been. They keep him because he's 66-24 and 24 in his time since 2015 with the Badgers. He's won an orange ball. He's won a cotton ball. Um, so he's won big games. He, he's won the Big Ten West a number of times. Um, so, it's very hard, and he's an little alum, and it's very hard to do, you know. To when you talk about sixty-six twenty-four, it's very hard to uh, kind of walk away from that. It's a winning program, but the problem is, is it's it's the school, it's the administration, it's the athletic director that needs to kind of jump out on the limb and say we're not we're not really good with. Eight, nine, ten wins anymore. We're dumping all this money into the program. We need New Year's Six Bowls. We need to make the college football playoff. And with it jumping to uh, a 12 man deal, it's very possible that Wisconsin can make that run, especially in the Big Ten West. Um, so they have to jump on a limb and, and they better make. Jim Leonard, the head coach, before they lose Jim Leonard. That
1: wholeheartedly didn't agree. Didn't we as well. just
2: re-sign Paul Chris too? Isn't that the worst part about it?
1: Didn't he just get a new deal?
2: He got an extension. He currently makes five point two five million dollars
0: a year. <laughs> Pissed off just a little bit. Like he's a he's a good, not great coach, and he's made he's like the highest paid employee in the state. Are we sure he's good though? Because
1: I think that as much as I dunked on the Badgers a second ago, there's talent on that roster. Like I said, Their he's good, of... not
0: great. He's sixty six and twenty four. They've got good bowl wins. It's, well, like I said, is... it's
1: just not. It's not a national champion. When has sixty six and twenty four been the expectation, though?
0: Well, considering how bad, I mean, we've been, and we say this with the Packers all the time. We've been so spoiled with how lucky we've been to watch good Packers football, because the Badgers were even worse for the majority of the last. Outside of since, like, what, 94 when Alvarez took over? But they've been good for the last decade. They, they've been good for the last 25 years, if we're being honest. But yep. So, okay, and this, I guess, so this is my... But the problem is the same, it's the same thing with the Packers, and you can even kind of put, start to put the Brewers in this conversation, is there are so many programs out there that are accepting mediocrity and being good and being relevant versus being a champion. And that's just, I guess... They're content with a New Year's Day Bowl or... It's hard
1: to walk away from winning.
2: It's a, but yeah, it's, that's the honest and truth, guys. In my opinion, it's hard though, it's, to walk away from winning.
1: It's not. If we're not getting... If we're getting to the point of we're a top 15 program, the next jump to be a top 10 program isn't that far. <laughs> top 5 is probably a little bit of a stretch, but... 15 to 10 isn't that far off, right? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. I Like I said, I think that that jump between like 5 to 1, there's a pretty decent-sized talent gap, and there's probably a quite a bit of money that has to be poured in to get to that point. But it's like we just accept that we're going to go, what, 10 and 2? Well, right. That's what, what we are saying. It's just I don't understand that. Process, I guess.
0: That's and that's the, I guess the the good, but not again good, not great. Is that is a very good year for a lot of programs. That is what a lot of programs are striving to be. There's what 127 FPS programs, Justin. 128. Yep. There's 128 FPS programs out there. Probably <laughs> 95 of them want to be where Wisconsin's at on a year in year out basis
2: yep yeah, yeah they're a top I mean they're a top 25 program perennially. the problem is is, is uh, Paul Christ did not really anticipate getting uh, plucked like he did um, when he was recruiting at the highest levels when, when we were all coming off of orange bowls and cotton bowls um, they had a great recruiting staff They had a great coaching staff. He did really well there. Um, And then all of a sudden, Michigan State and Mel Tucker came in and blindsided him, stole uh, pretty much the whole recruiting staff um, and look where they are right now. Um, And then stole uh, the wide receiver coach and and look where they are with that right now. And so um, you lost your running back coach, you lost your, Uh, defensive line coach. You just fired your offensive line coach. Um, They've got some real turnover, and now you just late added a uh, inside linebackers coach. Um, So he has kind of misfired on some of the things, uh, strength and conditioning. He's bumped his strength and conditioning coach up to – the defensive line coach. I don't know about you guys, but if you're a top 25 program, and you don't bump your strength and conditioning coach no. to a defensive line coach. No. You go pluck the best defensive line coach that you can find for the money that you can offer uh, at some of the younger school or uh, lesser schools that um, are doing well um, and running back coach uh, that hasn't really panned out to its highest. So, there's just a lot that has gone on that he's been blindsided with and that's on him he's he's got to be prepared he should have a book a book of names of people that he wants to replace people with because that's what happens when you win so uh, it's disappointing uh, I see seven and five eight and four type of season ahead Ooh. of us guys
0: all right well that leads me to my next point here Justin, and and that being. This week's game, New Mexico State coming to Camp Randall. And Badgers an overwhelming favorite. I mean, New Mexico State 0-3. Uh, Badgers, I believe, a 37.5-point favorite here opening up on Tuesday. 37.5 points. Thank you. Um, no, I'm sorry. That is that what you said? Yes. Uh, so I guess just kind of looking... like at the game coming up here individually instead of the big picture as a whole, Justin, what are you what are you thinking for Badgers-Lobos?
2: Um, it's not Lobos. Is oh, it? it's, it's the
0: Aggies. Oh, yes. You're, you're correct. It's New Mexico as the Lobos, correct? A
2: yeah. little fun fact. New Mexico State's head coach is Jerry Kill, who used to be the head coach at Minnesota. So you're um,
0: saying there's another revenge game coming up?
2: Uh, yeah, sure. If you want to call it that. Um, look, I I don't I don't know too much about New Mexico State. Uh, I think the Badgers have have kind of now gotten a fire lit under their ass. Um, they don't have a lot of veteran leadership, per se, and I think that's going to start. Uh, I think there will be a new evolved. Um. Look at the offense, um, and hopefully they let the the arm of Graham Mertz loose a little bit, and and see it, and and see if he can go out there and just kind of blow the game away. Um, outside of that, I look for a defense that needs to get healthy, and that needs to kind of re reassert itself as as a top defense that it is.
0: All right, so are you taking the Badgers with the points? Are you taking New Mexico State covers?
1: 37 and a half?
2: New, Mex- New Mexico State covers. I'd lean that way as well.
1: I was also going that way because you think about 37 and a half, I'm going to guess New Mexico State gets at least a garbage touchdown at some point, and I don't see the Badgers put up over 40 points.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I'm at with it. Now, 37.5 point spread. The over-under on that game is 46.5. So basically, you'd be looking at, yeah, it'd be 36 to 10 or 37 to 10. I'm and that'd be not covering the spread. Hammer the over. So that is our Badger breakdown for the week. Kind of look back and we'll revert back to the NFL um, with our picks coming up here. A uh, couple of games to go through, and we'll break down the Packers' upcoming game a little bit more. Then we did with Mason. So first, we'll we'll go around the league and look at the picks. Um, Four games for us again this week as we've kind of gone through. I've got Sean and Shauna's predictions. So the first game outside of the Packers, Bears, that we're going to look at is Patriots-Steelers and New England currently favored
1: by a point and a half.
2: Patriots-Steelers. I'm going to take New
1: England. Where's that at?
0: Uh, Let me just double check. I believe it's in New England, but let me double check. That game is actually in Pittsburgh.
1: I'm going to take New England.
2: What is the status of Mac Jones? Is Mac Jones injured? I believe he went out with an injury.
1: Um,
0: currently, I believe it's back spasms is the official diagnosis. The, per Adam Schefter, the injury is not thought to be serious, but team will monitor and gauge how Jones is feeling this week before Sunday's game versus Pittsburgh, but the scans came back
2: normal. Hmm. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. All right.
0: So we've got Ramsey on New England. Justin's on Pittsburgh. Uh, Sean is saying Steelers. And Shauna is taking the Steelers as well.
2: Najee Harris is out too, isn't he?
1: Najee Harris is out.
0: You know, I think I'm going to go Pittsburgh as well. Alright, game two. We've got Dolphins at the Ravens. Baltimore currently favored by three and a half.
2: Take the Say it again.
0: One sec. It is Dolphins at Ravens. And Baltimore is favored
2: by three and a half. Give me the Dolphins.
0: Alright, Ramsey I'm going to take the Ravens Shauna has The Dolphins
2: This is not good, I've been
0: Sean has Dolphins as well I'm going to go with Ramsey I'm going to take the Ravens to cover
2: Riding Ramsey's coattails. And then the
0: last game, besides the Packers, we've got Vikings-Eagles Monday Night Football. Eagles, a two-point favorite in that one. That one's in Philadelphia. Vikings-Eagles? Vikings-Eagles.
1: Minnesota.
2: Minnesota.
0: All right, Sean has Minnesota as well shauna is now joining us welcome to the episode shauna what's up we were just doing our picks for the week oh great is shauna drunk is shauna drunk
4: no i had one beer
2: so, she's hammered. She allegedly Ooh. had one beer. One beer means
1: four. When she, I
2: know, Shauna. Yeah, when she shows up and she does the old Bud Light commercial. What's <laughs> that? Yeah, totally.
1: Just the next <laughs> commercials before all of us were born. Literally just got home. I think that Bud Heavy,
2: too. What's up?
4: Got home from taking maternity pictures. Super drunk.
0: Not you, though. Not my
4: maternity picture. So. <laughs> Whew. Got to clear that up.
0: So, we were just doing the last pick, um, and that was Minnesota and Philadelphia. You, I believe... I picked the you, Vikings. You did have the Vikings. Yep. Which would be a clean sweep if I go that way. I'm going to go with the Eagles. I, I've got just a feeling they're at home, Monday Night Football, and I'm going to get a game back here. you said such
4: a turd. Eric sucks.
0: <laughs> just, you're just calling you a turd. You went 0-4 last week yeah. in picks.
4: I don't care. I didn't... I, Check the scoreboard for
0: fantasy. Woo! It got I didn't play you.
4: I, I don't care. You just lost, so.
2: You suck.
0: Hey, did you have the least points in the lead? No, I didn't. Uh no, might have been me. I think Jordan feels it, it actually. Jordan feels it. For a guy who had the number one pick, Jordan sucks. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> and you he's know what? Just, he's, uh, he's who I played. Everybody's he's who i played in that other league i had beat him in our other, the other league i play him in i beat him 118.3 to 47.1 my defense outscored his top scoring player
2: oh whatever eric stop bragging
4: eric won in one of his leagues woohoo so did
0: justin no justin went only
2: I didn't three win in any of those. i sucked
4: we're not talking about justin we're I, talking about how eric
1: sucks I really- Shana you missed about a 15 minute rant on how Eric was the jinx. Yeah, it was ridiculous.
4: I mean, when you don't show up, they win. So <laughs> writings on the wall, <laughs> man.
1: And she didn't even know what side Blue, we were Gary. on. We just said we talked about Blue, the jinx. Gary. She didn't even know.
0: You suck, I hate you're everybody. You're the jinx. I hate all of you. <laughs> anyway,
4: you don't show up, the Gillette boys win. You you're there and <laughs> We were,
1: we were saying the titty twister
2: you know might why? have affected the You know the why? Game. Because this asshole's titty twisting everybody before the game What did us you us do? Oh. I well,
1: yeah, you sucked
4: all of his juju right out of his nipple
2: <laughs> I mean <it's> sec-
1: <laughs> So, is it funny that Secretary Shana <laughs> that, said the same thing that, that, that we did? To be censored. Sucked, the juju sucked right his, his juju
4: mouth. right out of his areola Is that more PC for you?
0: I, no, I am not. Nobody's that sucking anything here. <laughs> Just juju.
2: <laughs> I don't want to have this conversation yeah, anymore. Yeah. Anyway,
0: so <laughs> I would love to have this conversation, up
2: <laughs>
0: So Packers Bears. Shotta's drunk.
4: No, I'm not. I bear.
0: Packers <laughs> a ten point favorite this week. Sunday night football coming back to Lambeau, hoping to get things right. Mason did. You know, I was kind of thinking Packers would not cover this, but Mason I think talked me back into it. I, uh, you know, assuming everybody's healthy. What do you guys think? Packers, Bears, 10 points. Uh, Justin, you go first.
2: I'm riding the Packers. They're they're on it.
1: Rams? Uh the Packers, I would not bet that game. If you guys are listening to me, don't bet that game. Stay away from it. That's uh, I'm taking the Packers, but I don't feel good about that. I feel actually really gross about that, not going to lie. Sean says the Bears
0: cover. He said Packers would win by seven. If it was a seven-point spread, he'd take the Packers. Ten points, he's going Chicago. Sean?
4: Yeah, I don't know what spreads mean, but I'll take the Packers. The Packers have to win by 10
0: for you to be right.
4: Oh, I don't know that they're going to. But we'll just say that they do. <laughs> actually, no. No, 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 no. Oh, they don't. They don't. We're going to go. They only went. They're going to win by, like, three
1: because they blew. I'm not sure that Chicago can actually score 10 points.
2: Score 19 I'm not sure this I'm sure what's week. going on
1: with Shauna. She's hammered.
4: I had one beer at dinner, Jesus. How big
1: was it though?
0: How big one was that beer, one, beer? one beer? Was it the forty own beer? And all <laughs>
2: we're talking about is sucking and blowing going on around here. Well,
4: it's just an expression no, that no. teams blow. Not like <laughs> oh, okay, haha. Uh-huh. What do you
0: She's hammered? She's hammered. What she's, a got man. That <laughs> <laughs> she's got that pumpkin spice in the brain. She's fuck <laughs> <laughs> She's she's been chugging beers at dinner. Yeah. I did not. And for the record, I'm gonna go Packers. I like I said, Mason talked me back into it. I think Aaron Rodgers pulls ca- classic Aaron Rodgers performance out of his ass, and Packers win handedly. So
2: I think they're gonna come back healthier.
0: That's kind of what I'm saying. Like I said, I, I just think that they bounce back. This has all the makings prime time football. They Aaron, can't
1: really get less healthier, can they?
0: Aaron Rodgers has the CM Punk vibes it's and good. cult of personality. Uh, vibes from yeah
2: one about how he owns everybody
0: I, I, like, it just give it's me. got the writing it's Aaron Rodgers Revenge game
2: give me, me out of that nonsense already.
0: Anyway, so one last thing to kind of wrap up before we talk about what we are rooting for in the upcoming week and that is our dive bar of the week, Ramsey new segment. Um since you've been gone, I think we actually started since with you. Been gone. So
1: I'm gonna ask do you have a favorite dive bar? No.
4: What?
1: I like all bars.
4: All right, well, you got to choose. I'm an equal
1: opportunity drinker. I don't care about what bar we're at. I care about the people I'm with.
4: Well, do you know of like the coolest dive bar then?
1: Give us a dive bar in Surin that you like to go to.
0: And I will find the the Yelp reviews for it.
1: Old Smashes is probably the last time I drank in Surin. I don't hang out in Surin. I'm above that.
4: Okay, well, where's the best dive bar you went to?
0: So we're gonna go Somebody Old Smashins, beat. and I I gotta say Old Smashins is a good bar. The
1: best dive bar I've been to is actually in Black, T- in Tomahawk. I don't remember the name because I was fucking hammered.
4: I believe I had the nachos at Smashins, and they were impeccable. Smashins is a good
0: bar. They were impeccable. So Old Smashins will give them the Wisconsin dive bar of the week in southern Wisconsin. Four point seven star rating on Google reviews. Uh, some very high ratings here. Uh, five stars from Life on the Ridge. Food is great. Service is fun and friendly. Place is also clean and well-kept. I can agree with that. Food was, is always really good there. Outstanding pub in siring. Five-star review. I love the double burger, the fries and drinks. Also the prices. The bartender was very funny and a smart aleck, which I loved. I will go back again and again. And last one here. Great food. Great value. A lot of food for your money. The burgers are next level and should receive an award. Highly recommend the Mushroom and Swiss and Fries. Make it a double patty and you will not be disappointed. It's only $11 and you will have some for later.
4: Ooh. balling on a budget too.
0: Balling
1: on a budget.
0: Alright, so that is our dive bar of the week. And that just leads us to what we are rooting for in the upcoming week. Justin, I'll let you go first.
2: Nah, uh, kind of for the football teams to kind of Turn it around, really. Uh, all three of us here. The uh, Jill Tigers come and get a win against the Algoma well, Wolves. I believe they are correct. Kind of stupid, but um. Justin, the don't give them billboard and... material. Yeah. No, you, do you really think they listen to us?
1: Everyone listens to us.
0: Statistically, that's not true, <laughs> but I like that. I like the effort. Everybody. By the
2: way, did the ratings go up last week when I was on there? No, we
0: actually have, yeah, our, they did. We have our lowest no, they listen went episode. Way up. It's because
4: I
2: they was went missing. Way up. It's
4: because I was gone. No, they went way up. Sean. I don't I'm think
2: just, so. Eric would never admit that they went up if I was on it. Anyways. so But they went way up. I looked. You don't have access to look, bitch. <laughs>
1: yeah, I I'm going to guess the ratings went down because I wasn't it. there.
4: When Ramsey and Sean are on...
1: Rating, skyrocket, Skyrocket
4: <laughs> And Justin He gives <laughs> a good Badger report
0: Alright Rams What are you rooting for this I weekend NASCAR
1: Bristol report. baby It's going to be a great race This is Bristol asphalt
2: we didn't even Bristol did NASCAR asphalt. We haven't seen um,
1: NASCAR in a while Dark than... Horse playoff contender Christopher Bell Christopher Bell is, has some really good tracks Coming up here in the next six weeks Christopher like Bell, Bell might be a dark horse Going into Phoenix and what kind of track is Phoenix like, gentlemen, that Christopher uh, Bell won at earlier in the year? Pocono? No.
4: Talladega. No. I don't New know. New
1: Hampshire. Yeah. Christopher Bell dominated New Hampshire. Well, didn't dominate. He ran down. Who's that? Martin Truex Jr. Passed him pretty easily. New Hampshire is probably why about the closest. Alike? That's what the guys say. It's similar banking, I guess, that... Richmond, New Hampshire, and Phoenix are all very similar feeling. And Christopher Bell is very good at all three. So Christopher Bell could oh, be a dark sick. horse playoff guy. I don't know if I'm gonna pick him or not, but we'll see.
0: Alright, Sharn. Oh.
4: Uh I had no room for. Sorry.
0: I'm unprepared. Root for hammering beers at dinner. She's written for watching Justice Kids. Yeah,
4: yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm rooting, I'm rooting for, for that, too, Shawna.
4: Yeah, uh, message me I'm back. Excited. If you're going to have me watch your kids, i got to know what time.
0: We talked about this. Not fair.
4: Okay, message me back.
1: Yeah, I feel Shauna's the I only responsible good. adult in the room. It's well, true.
0: <laughs> Justin has kids.
2: I am not hammered. I had one beer.
1: <laughs> I heard she was doing beer bongs.
2: Shauna, it was one Shauna, beer I need bong. To know now, are you going to be drinking when you watch my kids? Because if that's the case...
4: Absolutely not.
2: And Eric is going to be the okay
4: no we are I'm not just drinking
2: one beer I, if one beer makes you act like this this is gonna be oh, it's gonna be i'm I'm willing. I'm willing to gamble, but I'm just saying it's gonna be a
4: day. <laughs> Justin, I educate young children all day long. I am going to be fine with yeah, your children. Yeah, that's the day job, though.
1: At night, yeah. the party, Shauna, comes legend. out.
2: You have, uh, yeah. you have a garage fridge full of beer, Shauna. It's gonna be tempting. That's where I'm gonna be at.
4: Yeah, we'll head Eric me and out the there. Young,
0: me and the young, me and that, uh, me and the middle boy. We're gonna hang out. <laughs> Watch Mickey Mouse college football and Chuck PBR. <laughs> I'm not going to say the names on the podcast. Right. I'm a responsible adult, yes.
4: I know. I'm just saying. <coughs> no, it's going to be great.
0: All right. And my root for, I'm, it, I'm also for rooting for Wisconsin area football to not suck for a weekend. We need to at least go two and three on the weekend in some capacity. So whatever that ends up being, let it be. But ideally, we want three and three. But if we can get two and three, that'd be great. With that, what that are you saying? I'm just saying, I want two of the three to win. Who's the third? If we're going, if we're going Ooh, based on would, Justin's logic, we're going Gillette, Oh, Wisconsin and the Packers. Who which game? You, which game are, which game are you going win? to? Are you going to the Packers game? I'm not. I don't think I'm going any of the three.
1: Well, we have. We're we set up for are a
0: good
4: week. set for a
2: triple double. Yes. I didn't go to the Packer we're or Magic this it. go this weekend. I hate all of you. Eric broke anyway, the headset last
0: that, week. You broke that <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Justin broke the headset. Anyway, episode because 87. Twist just
1: <laughs> twisted Eric <his titty. laughs>
0: For Shauna, Ramsey, Shauna's not here. Going. Mason, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Episode 87 is The books. We're out. See ya. Bye.
4: Bye.
2: Salud.